Um, as I've been studying this uh, passage, this next passage, um, a part of me wanted to get to the next passage, which is uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Anybody know what Hebrews chapter 11 is? Yeah, dude, the heroes of faith, man. And I can't wait for us to go through. And, and what it really is talking about is showing us all the people who have done what we've been told to do in the book of Hebrews, and it worked for them. And uh, so that's what we're getting to. But before we get to that, we have to have, get to the last part of, uh, of Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, it's one of the hardest passages in Scripture because it's, man, it's just right there. Yeah, I mean, you ever like open the Bible and it just punches you in the face, you know? That's, that's kind of where this is. But so I've been really like praying and looking and studying and looking for illustrations, looking for ways to kind of just make this make sense in my own heart. Um, and really fully understand it, because if I don't understand it, I'm not going to be able to communicate it to you guys. And so last night, well, it all started on the boat with, uh, with Mike and Carla the other day. I think it was we were on the boat with their two friends. It was Thursday, and I don't know if y'all were at the beach Thursday. Gary, you weren't fishing Thursday, probably not, because there was a nice swell out there. And in fact, we had been in the back country. We had been exploring on the boat. And I said, man, let's go out and let's look at the inlet. So we, we mosey out the inlet, and I'm feeling a little swell in the inlet. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't look rough out there at all. And we got out, and, uh, and all of a sudden, we were like facing some nice, as we get out the inlet, nice gentle waves, probably as high as these walls. And we're kind of going up, and I'm like, dude, this is cool. And I didn't really think about them because, you know, I thought they were thinking it was cool too, you know. And, and, and we pass around, and I found out they had never surfed before. So that was kind of a new sight for Carla at least, right? And we go around the jetty, and all of a sudden I see lots of surfers, and I see them drop in, and all of a sudden their head's gone. So I'm like, dude, those are some like, you know, unless they're squatting, those are head-eye waves. And, and I look behind us, and it's kind of looking. How many of y'all seen the movie Perfect Storm? <laughs> you remember the last wave they go over? It was like I start seeing those, and I'm thinking, nah, they're not going to break on us. No problem. And plus, if I freak out, they're going to freak out. So I didn't freak out or anything, right? No, because it was totally cool because I've been on surfboard, and I've been out in that. And so, man, we're up there, and I was like, hey, you guys want to surf? And, and, we, and so I kind of carved the boat around one little swell coming in, and then we go, and we go back out again, and all of a sudden, a set wave came in, and I'm like, oh, they're not going to break. They're not going to break. Inside, I'm thinking, dude, that might break. <laughs> I was like, I didn't tell you guys that, but I was kind of... <laughs> I was, I was like, you know, pretty sure it wasn't going to break, and it didn't break, but it got pretty vertical, and it was, it was pretty cool, man. We're going up these walls and then coming back down, and then back going through the inlet, back into the backcountry, or through the inlet, going back in, away from the ocean. All of a sudden, you got waves behind you, and um, you got to, like, surfing a board's one thing and wiping out with it, but surfing a boat and wiping out on a boat, that's a little different. You know, your bottom turns a little bit different, and, you know, sometimes you got to use reverse to kind of stay up there, but we were actually, like, surf. I, I was asking Carl, I said, you ever surf before? He says, nope. I said, you just did now, and we were surfing some nice little waves all the way in, and then we went to that little backcountry, so I started thinking about that movie, Perfect Storm, and last night, my wife said, yeah, Saturday, everybody must be out. That's a slow TV night. You know, I don't know if she was saying, because we're not out or anything. I think she wanted to, like, stay on the couch and sleep. Was that right? Or watch the movie with your eyes closed? You know, kind of the way guys watch uh, football sometime on Sunday afternoon, you know, and you change the channel and they know it. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so I was like, hey, honey, can we watch The Perfect Storm? She says, if we have to. And I was like, because so I put The Perfect Storm on and um, man, I start watching. It's a very slow, boring movie. Oh, my goodness. When I first got the movie, I was thinking, that's a horrible movie. 
but movies have gotten so horrible, but that now that's one of the best movies. And uh, so I'm watching it. it, finally caught up with me, you know, got to the middle part. And I don't know if you kind of remember, and you may, the details are a little, little sketchy here. I'm going to go with what I sort of remember from, the, from watching this. But if you remember, basically, there's, there's a boat, the Andrea Gale, it's a sword fishing boat. It goes out, the dude's really got to catch some fish or he loses his job, loses the boat. They go out. And then there's another family that's out on a probably a 40, 50 foot sailboat, and they're just kind of cruising from Cape Cod down to the uh, Bermuda, nice family trip, dream trip. And while that's happening, the perfect storm brews. Dude, from what a geographically challenged Floridian would say is Nova Scotia, there's kind of like a, uh, a, 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 a low pressure system coming down out of the, off the northeast coast of, Florida, of, of the United States. And then coming up from the Carolinas is another low pressure. And because they're both spinning counterclockwise, when they kind of meet where these boats happen to be, everything just gets jacked up and churned up. 40, 50 foot seas, it's the perfect storm. And it's got hurricane force winds. It's got, it's just the nastiest thing you could imagine weather-wise being in the ocean. And that's where everything takes place. And so all of a sudden you start hearing on the radios, mayday, mayday, mayday. And um, Terry, you ever like to hear that? You were in the Coast Guard, weren't you? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Up you there ever, too. Yeah. Huh? Up there too. Yeah, up there too. Right. So you heard mayday and all that's for real. I'm glad I've never had to scream out mayday because... I, I can't scream that loud on my radio stuff. But man, Mayday, and all of a sudden, because these people are taking on water, they're sinking. And, and out of all of those people's mistakes, going out at the wrong time, being in the wrong place, the good old Coast Guard has to come to their rescue. Did, did you ever like, Terry, honestly, when you guys had to go out? Anybody else here in the Coast Guard? Or how about any of the military? Any of the military? Let's go ahead and raise your hand up high, man. I see it, Mike. Amen. Cool, man. I want to thank all of you guys, man, for taking care of us. Y'all give them a hand for sure. And I don't want to know if you guys like the Coast Guard or the Army. I know y'all all have pride and fight and all that stuff. But, but in that, Kerry, uh, you were in the Coast Guard, right? Yes. Before, and then you became an ICE agent and all that, right? And then now you sell giant scissors. Yes. That cut cars in half. Okay, just so we got it all straight now. But in the Coast Guard, did you ever go out in the Coast Guard and you're like, those idiots. If they would... All the time. All the time. That's all you ever responded to was yes. people doing stupid stuff, right? Yes. So, but you're putting your life on the line for people doing stupid stuff. Man, does that sound like anything like what Jesus did for us? <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about that. So the Coast Guard's going out. Now, they send two vessels. They send a boat, which is where they're ultimately going to rescue people. But they send a helicopter that can go faster, at least in the movies is how they did, right? If you want to know how it really is done, talk to Terry. But the helicopter found kind of the people. And, and actually, the people were farther away, if you remember, than they could get. So now they had to send a plane out that was a fuel plane and, and had like a hose blowing in 100-mile-an-hour hurricane winds. And the... The, the helicopter pilot had to like kind of connect with the hose. That was all a big scene. They finally connect. They get enough fuel where they can now go and rescue these people. Now, when they go to rescue these people, man, um, this is crazy, Terry. This is crazy because, dude, I'm just like, I would be sending a rope down. If you can catch the rope, hold on. <laughs> but these guys, dude, it's hurricane force winds, 40, 50 mile, uh, you know, foot waves. And what do they do? They jump in from a helicopter. I'm not even jumping in from a helicopter on a glass, but dude, they're jumping in to go to rescue these people. And then they've got to swim over to where they're at. Then they drop down this, this, 
you know, crate that looks like probably the size of this table right here, you know, maybe a little bigger. They drop it down in 40, you know, 100 mile an hour winds and 40, 50 foot seas. They're dropping down this thing to swing in. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm on a boat and I see this thing swinging, I'm kind of thinking, I want somebody to catch this for me. And, but yet, if you're sinking, man, you need to be rescued. And so this whole scene is just the epitome of danger. You're going down, you're going to get hurt. Something's going to happen. If you make it out of this, it is a good thing. You were lucky. You were blessed. You were fortunate. And so... As this is all going down, the rescue swimmers come on over, and, 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 and I'll never forget this. The guy, uh, this is one of the lines in here that made me think of Christ, because this is what he did in my life, Roger. He comes up, and he, and he grabs me, and he said, Roger, my name's Eddie Frederick, and I'm your rescue swimmer. It's pleased to meet you. And I'm ple- pleased to meet you. Isn't that how Jesus came to you? Man, when you needed it, you have life there. And he's like, I'm your rescue swimmer. Trust me. And do what I say to do. And when he came with that grace, when Christ came to you with that grace, Gary, what would you do? Did you say, yeah, you just said, yes, sir. (laughs) I'll do whatever you want me to do. Because that's where your life was at that point in salvation, man. I'm your rescue swimmer. Follow me, obey me, listen to me. Yes. You were not saying, no, I I, I was hoping for somebody different. (laughs) You know, no, I'm going to wait for the next helicopter that you guys are going to send. I'm going to wait for the next boat. No, you saw this as your opportunity to be rescued and you went for it. And so so in this, man, they came down and the rescue swimmer came to them and greeted them with love and as much as they could. Now, that probably wasn't it. You probably some people. All right. Now they won't bother us. And you strap duct tied them in, you know, duct tape. Yeah, you did that, right? Yeah. Yes. Otherwise they're going to drown you trying to climb out. That, yeah. So just, we're going to go with the movie because Jesus didn't punch you in the face and duct tape you to a thing. So. <laughs> but we're going to go with the movie. So, man, here it is. And, 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 and finally, they get the person in this little, you know, this little tiny thing that you had to be a contortionist to get into. And now the helicopter's up there. How many of you would really like to be in 100 mile an hour winds, 40 to 50 foot seas, and, and being in this little crate by yourself, holding on for dear life, getting sucked up into the helicopter. How many of y'all would say, once you got in there, you're saying, it's good, I'm good, it's over. Do you think it's a bit of a challenge the, the rest of the way? Do you think once you're in that crate and now they've got to lift you up, there's a bit of a challenge still? Yeah, it's not over yet. And that's what our life on this earth is like. Salvation is when he comes and says, I'm your rescue swimmer. Man, I'm, your, I'm here to save you. I'm here to rescue you. Listen to me. And you submit to him with everything you got because you know if you don't, you're going down. And if you're saved, that was your salvation. Now life is getting up, getting pulled up. And how many of y'all think that as soon as you see a wave way higher than you and you're in this thing, this crate, and it's coming, you might think about jumping out? How many of you, if that wave went through you, how many of you would hold on as much tight as you could? And how many of you would just give up and say, I'm too tired, I quit? And you would let go. There's all kinds of responses but, that people could make. But I want to tell you, man, that the time to quit is not then. <laughs> it is not then. It's not until you are back up in that helicopter. And, and actually, in that story, what they did is they got him in a helicopter and then they brought him to the boat. The time they got to relax and they got to rest was when they finally were in the boat and they could make it safe and get back. Man, I started thinking about our spiritual journey like this and I thought about how Christ has rescued us from the perfect storm. Anybody here been rescued from the perfect storm? You know what the perfect storm is? 
first of all, we're the vessel that's out there. We're the one that's going out there and, um, uh, in our flesh, only desiring to do what we want to do. That's the stupid stuff that someone's got to go rescue us from. Every one of us has been rescued from ourselves if we've been rescued by Christ. Because our sin was going to do nothing but mess things up and take us down further and further and further. And so we realized that when he gave us grace and we said, no, I need rescuing. And Jesus came and he was our, our rescue captain. So in this, man, here all of a sudden Jesus came down and, and he said, I'm your rescue swimmer. Do this, do this, do this. And, and, and so those of you who have been rescued, what did you do? You did that. But could you imagine refusing God's rescue? Could you imagine refusing the Coast Guard's rescue and say, no, I'm not getting in that thing. I'm, a, I'm afraid of heights. I don't like water. <laughs> You're soaking water. I don't like, you know, you've got all these excuses in the world. I don't know what's going to happen from here to there. And the guy says, neither do I. But God says, I do know what's going to happen. Trust me. So if you refuse God's rescue, you can't be rescued. There's no other rescue coming if you refuse God's rescue. And so, so man, you've got to accept that rescue. But while you're being rescued, while you're being rescued and while you're being lifted up, that is not the time to let go. The time to let go is when we are in heaven, man. When we are in heaven, we are going to be let go. Caroline, how, what's it going to be like? Awesome. Anybody else have another word? That's a great one. You got a better one? A different one? Awesome. Anybody else got another word for heaven? What it's going to be like? Come on, help me out. Spectacular. Spectacular. It's going to be restful. It's going to, man, there's going to be no more stress, no more sin, no more sorrow, no more separation. It's perfection. And how long does that last for? Forever. Forever. And ever and ever. And can it ever change? Can anything change about it now that we've got our ticket? No, it's guaranteed. So while you are getting lifted up into the rescue station, that is not the time to let go. And those were part of the people that the writer of Hebrews were talking to. They were kind of saying, we're going through a lot of persecution, a lot of tribulation, and maybe we'll just go back to being Jews. And he's like, no, 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 now is not the time to let go. Hold on, and you will be rescued. So the first thing I want to share with you in this is that if you refuse God's rescue, you cannot be rescued, period. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to, to the Father except through me. There is no other way. Terry, hey, if someone really wasn't comfortable with you rescuing them, did you just go back and say, yeah, we got to probably send somebody else? <laughs> no, dude. It's like, sorry. <laughs> you know what? I just risked my life. The whole crew risked their life to come. And Jesus gave his life to be the rescue. So let's take a look at this in Hebrews uh, chapter 10 and look at the first few verses. He said, dear friends, he said, if we deliberately continue sinning after we've received knowledge of the truth, there's no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Now, I will show you from the rest of this passage of who he's talking specifically to are people who refuse rescue. People who Christ came up and said, Karen, I am your rescue swimmer. Do this. And you said, nope, not going to do it. You know, that's the people that he, he was predominantly talking to in this passage, as we'll see. But for those of us who've been rescued, I wonder if there's any chance that we deliberately continue sinning after we know the truth. Anybody besides me, Andrew, you want to raise your hand and say that you've done that? You know where you just say, all right, this is what God wants me to do. This is what I want to do. He's already forgiven me. of What, what sins have I been forgiven of? My past sins? My present sins? How about my future sins? 
well, then I don't see any harm in this. And, and that's what we do, right? But there's consequences to sin. And every time we sin, we're farther away from God. We're farther away from the one who rescued us, the one who takes care of us. Yeah, he can always catch up, but, but we can get in more and more and more and more trouble and rescue situations the farther we're away from him. And so I just want us as believers to look at that for a second. He says, man, if we deliberately continue sinning after we receive knowledge of the truth, man, God's like, I don't know what else to tell you. You ever had that with your kids? You've told them and you've told them and you've told them and you've told them. You're like, I don't know what else to tell you. Here it is. And if they refuse to listen, there's nothing else I can tell you. You're going to have to suffer the consequences of this. For us, we still have a home in heaven. And that's not in context who they're talking about here. But I just want us to take a look at this, that whenever we sin, there is death. Something dies. Our hopes, our dreams, our visions, our relationships, something dies. Our relationship between us and God gets separated. And man, that's not a good place to be. But this is specifically talking about people who have had Jesus as the rescue swimmer come to them in their face. He has offered them salvation. I can share the gospel with you guys and lots of people can share the gospel with you. But it's not until the Holy Spirit of God comes and touches your heart and says, man, I'm for real. And I am the way, the truth and the life. The Holy Spirit gives you the desire and ability to surrender yourself to him. And you actually do it that 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 you're saved. It takes him speaking to you. How many of you had him speak to you? Not audibly, but how many of you had a personal encounter with him where he gave you that desire and ability? You know what I'm talking about. Just so somebody else might say, no, dude, you're nuts, man. That was just you. No, that's what it took for salvation. So these people are the ones that did not do that. He came to them and said, I'm your rescue swimmer. Get in the crate. And he said, no. They said, no. So... He goes on and says, man, if you don't jump into this, if you don't get into this rescue boat or this rescue crate, there's no rescue for you. He goes on and says, there's only one terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. Okay, so right now we're not talking about his children. We're talking about his enemies, all right, which are the people we come into this world as an enemy to God. We have no desire to please him, to do anything for him. And, and so that's why we have to be born again with a brand new nature, with a desire to now worship and, and, and serve him. Now, I will speak about this. There's um, something that theologians call the age of accountability because I don't believe all these aborted babies are going to hell. I don't believe that these children who die before they can make some kind of rational decision for Christ, that they go to hell because... Um, Again, there, there's something that theologians talk about as an age of accountability where, and it might even be somebody who's got some account, uh, uh, challenging issues in their own mental capacity and so on. And so, so bottom line is that there's a time where you can now understand what is right and wrong. You can now understand God coming to you and not coming. David, in fact, when David, uh, uh, he, he had had Bathsheba pregnant. You guys remember the story? And she had a, uh, she was pregnant and she had a baby and the baby, man, the baby was like sick and the baby was dying and David was like pulling his hair out. He was like, ah, he was like raging. And his people said, man, can you imagine what it's going to be like when this baby dies? He's going to be a lunatic. He, we're going to be in trouble. And what happens when the baby died, all of a sudden, David, he's all cool and calm. 
And they're like, what's up, Dave? And he said, well, I can't bring that baby back to me, but I can go where that baby's going. So based on that verse, predominantly, we believe that someone before they have the ability to have the desire and ability for Jesus Christ, they are going to go to heaven if they die. And we can talk about this later. But again, that's, you know, that, that's not the, not the people we're talking about here. We're ta- uh, check this out. How many of y'all remember your, your children or even yourself when you had no problem? All right, we'll just go with your kids. Ashley, you remember taking baths like uh, with Matthew and Emily? Yeah, when you were little? And you didn't have clothes on, right? You know little kids, they take baths and they're all naked. Or, or dude, Terry, I can imagine when you were a little, little girl, you're, you're, you probably ran out in the yard naked, right? Well, he's not a good illustration. No, I'm just saying. No, but... But, but do you remember with children, you remember your children? There was a time you three couldn't have, didn't have a problem taking baths together, right? But, but now that stopped at some point, right? There was a time where you all of a sudden felt uncomfortable. You would, it would make a very awkward Christmas picture if we took a picture of you three in the bathtub together, right? Because there comes a point, and I, and I believe this is probably for me, where I see this age of accountability coming. You know how there's a time when a child now all of a sudden starts feeling like, whoa, I'm not supposed to go run outside naked. Or I'm not supposed to be naked with my brothers. And so there's uncomfortableness. Let me ask you a question. What happened when uh, Adam and Eve, after they sinned, before they sinned, what were they wearing? Nothing. Nothing. After they sinned, what were they wearing? Fig leaves. And then God saw those fig leaves and said, no, you're not covering your own sin. He killed an innocent animal. And they felt the warm blood, the warm skin that, that it, of death that they had to put on to cover their sins. And God had to provide it. And it was a picture of what Christ would do one day. So I can't prove this or whatever, but in my own logic, in all of this, I believe when kids and people start having a problem, you know, they realize that, dude, I shouldn't be hanging out in the bathtub with my sister naked. If I'm, you know, uh, one-year-olds, that's fine. 13-year-olds, no. And, and again, so I think that's when you start seeing that accountability in all of that. And so, um, so again, these are people that have had that. They know they have to make a choice to keep living for themselves or they surrender themselves and live for Christ because God's given them that desire and ability. And they said no. And he says, for you who keep rejecting Christ, there's only the terrible expectation of what? God's what? Judgment. Judgment. Because God came down as your rescue swimmer. He said, I've risked my life. I've given my life. And here I am. I'm your rescue swimmer. Can you, will you jump in? And you say, no. How dare you? What did it make you feel like? You just swam till you're almost dead. And they say, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and you're not a merciful God. A merciful God will keep coming back and keep coming back. At some point, the merciful God says, no, there's going to be judgment. And you want to read about judgment on this, man? Go read the book of Revelation from chapter 6 to about chapter 19. And you will see that judgment over and over and over and over again of people who rejected the grace. He couldn't have offered anything more than what he offered for your salvation. Coming down and being your rescue swimmer. So there's only one terrible expectation of God's judgment. And the raging fire that will consume is what? Enemies. His enemies. If you don't want to be his enemy, then let him rescue you. Because that's what the Bible tells us. That we're enemies when we come into this world. Look at this. He said, anyone, that's anyone. I don't care if your mom was a Sunday school teacher for 4,000 years. Anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. In fact, in the Old Testament thing you guys want to jump back to, did you know, guys, that there were no, if you sinned on purpose, what did they do? If you sinned on purpose, 
If they had two or three witnesses, what did they do? What was the penalty? Death. There was no provision for an... Uh, you know how we like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what God wants me. I'm going to do what I want to do. In the Old Testament, when you chose willfully to go against God, the penalty was death. There was only a provision for sins that you committed on accident. That's all it was in the Old Testament. So I said, you really want to go back to that? This is a much better deal here. Anyone who refused to obey the law and did it on purpose, in Moses' day, man, if you had two or three witnesses that came against you, you were dead. He said, just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God. The most precious thing to God in this world is the blood of his own Son, Jesus Christ, that was spilled out at the cross. He could not have paid anything more for you. If you could imagine giving somebody your most precious possession to have, and then they trample on that. That's God. He said, man, you reject. I come to you and I say, Gary, Gary, I'm your rescue swimmer. I'm your, I'm your rescue swimmer. Here, come with me and jump in this. And you say, no. And then I come again, you say no. I come, and, and by the way, some of you might be saying, man, you know what? I, I've been saying no for a while, but I'll say yes when I'm ready. You can't say yes until God gives you the desire and ability to. And he said it with Nicodemus, it's like the wind. You know when the wind's coming and you know, or you don't know when the wind's coming. And you don't know when it's leaving, but you know when what? It's when it's there. Yeah, you don't know when it's going to start and you know when it's going to end. It's the same thing, the desire of God. You know when it's, you don't know when it's coming, you don't know when it's going to leave, but you know when that wind is there. And if the wind of God's spirit is in your heart saying, give yourself to Christ, man, you don't know that when it leaves, it's ever going to be there again. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But without that desire, you can't give your life to Christ. So that's why while you're there, while you know it's there, is there anybody here that's fully surrendered themselves to Christ and would be willing to say, ah, it's the worst decision I'd ever, I wish I never did that. Anybody raise your hand and say that? Nobody has. All over the world I've asked that question. But thousands like me that wish they'd done it sooner. You've got to do it while he gives you that desire. Otherwise, he said, man, imagine the punishment when it comes down. When you stand before God and give him your lame, lousy excuse he said, you just trample on the most precious thing I, that I have, which is my son. Not only that, but you've treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy. The Old Testament blood didn't make us holy. This did. You treat it as though it were common and unholy. And, have, and so he said, man, you're treating it like it's not even worth as much as the blood of goats and rams. And this is my son, Jesus Christ, the one who's going to be on that white throne judgment that we see and when everybody does see him what's everybody going to do who thought they were going to give him an account for their life it says they run and they hide and they cry for the rocks to fall on them because they realize how wrong they are he said man you treated that as common and you've insulted and disdained the holy spirit which brings god's mercy on us you want to know what the unpardonable sin is that's it when the Holy Spirit has come to you and given you the desire and ability and given you the desire and ability and you blow it off. You get an invitation to the most important thing for eternity, a trip to heaven, and you blow it off as though it's nothing. The unpardonable sin is when you reject the Holy Spirit's invitation to follow Christ. 
And the reason it's unpardonable is because you have no pardon for your sin. There's only one rescue swimmer. It's Christ. And if you reject that rescue, you cannot be rescued. That makes sense? That's what he's saying here. Man, the Holy Spirit is trying to bring you mercy. And I know we can see that with our kids. Have you ever seen it with your children? You're just like, you're like, I, I need to, man, just do this. I want to help you. And they don't want the help. And they, you just watch your kids bleed, man. You watch your kids, man, it's hard. The same way our parents watched us. <laughs> so that's what he's saying, man. He's saying, if you reject this rescue, there's no other rescue. For we know the one who said, I'll take revenge. I'll pay him back. Does that sound like the God that's being preached right now? In the world right now? And some of you might say, I'm not coming back here ever again. I'm going to go to a church where they don't preach. This is the word. We've got to know this. He said, man, I'm going to take revenge. I'll pay them back. He said, the Lord will judge his own people. That's the Jews. He said, man, he's going to judge them at the end when they rejected and trampled on the most precious thing to them. And look at this. This is the end of this little part of this passage. He said, it is a terrible, and this is such an understatement. Such an understatement, but read this with me. It is a terrible thing. Man, if you think of how wonderful it is to be in the arms of a living God. <laughs> Anybody been in the arms of a living God? Are you in the arms of a living God right now where he's comforted you? He's provided for you. He's promised you eternal life, man. And you know you don't deserve any of that. He said, take how beautiful it is to be in the arms of a living God. And he said, when you think about it, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. As an enemy, as great as he is, he can be that rough. So he said, man, think about this. So I don't know your spiritual, but I, I know most of you, dude, I, I know things about uh, about. I know things about most all of you, and, and, and I love you dearly. I know I, I could, man, <laughs> I'm so glad you're on the front row today on the spit section, man. I, 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 man, I, you know I, I ask questions, and I, I had one lady, one lady say, yeah, one thing I liked about your church was everybody asking questions. What's my name? What's my, you know, I'm like, well, that's just who we are. I, I know you, Billy. Billy, dude, I know you, bro. I know you guys. I've been on the water with most of you guys out here. But, and I know what you've told me. I know what we've talked about. But I don't know your soul. I've known lots of people in my 20-something years of being a pastor who understood the gospel fully. They understood they were sinners. They understood there was no way to pay for their sin but by what Christ did on the cross. And they understood they had to surrender themselves to him. But I know lots of people who knew and understood that but never bowed the knee and surrendered their life to Christ. So I don't know where you're at. Some of you may be wondering about me some days. <laughs> Dude, is he really saved? <laughs> you know, did you hear what he said? Did you see what he did? You know, I'm right there in the same boat with you, a different seat. But if today God has given you the desire and ability to surrender your life to him, I'm not picking anybody out out here. And if you feel like you're being singled out, it's the Holy Spirit of God. It's not me. I just ain't that good. <laughs> I'm just saying it's the Holy Spirit of God. And if you really believe that you've refused his rescue and you need to surrender, that's the Holy Spirit giving you that desire and ability and go for it. 
with everything you have because that's your only rescue. You don't know that the opportunity is going to come again. You don't know he's going to send another rescue copter and another rescue swimmer. You just don't know. If you have that desire, go for it right now. And I don't know who you are. And I wouldn't doubt if it would be any of us. If God was putting that on my heart, I'd drop to my knees right now and I'd surrender. Because I don't know that I have the next breath that I have right now. And neither do you. And if we go into eternity without Christ, we go to hell. That's what the Bible teaches. So if you reject God's rescue, you will not be rescued. Because there's no other way. But how many of y'all have been rescued? <laughs> and how many of y'all right now are like, yes? I saw Gary like, yes, I've been rescued. How many of y'all, man, man you're, you're stoked that you're rescued? Yes. Yay, God. When you, yay, God. Because you spent 67 years unrescued. You went into fires rescuing people. How many opportunities did you have to die, bro? Between the fires, the cocaine, the racing sailboats, all of that. How many, did you ever have any opportunities to die? And he protected you, man. He saved you for the day when you could have a relationship with him. Is that yay, God? Yay, God. Yay, God. And some of you guys got stories just like all of that. Every one of y'all do. I'll guarantee it. So if you've been rescued, now is not the time to give up. The rescue swimmer comes up. He says, get in, get in Christ, get in Christ. You get in. And all of a sudden, as, the, as it's going up, you see giant waves getting ready to come right through you. Hey, since you've been a believer, how many had some giant waves come right through you and swing you in places you didn't want to be? And, and you're looking at this thin little rope saying, it's not going to hold. And, and as you're going up, all of a sudden, man, the wind is swirling you around. And you're going, and you're, Bleh! you know what I'm saying? How many of you have had times in your Christian life where that's what you felt like? It's been a season of tilt-a-whirl. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? On steroids. But if you've been rescued, now is not the time to give up. Because what happens if, you stop, if you're a believer? Will you lose your salvation? No, it's you have eternal life. But if you follow away from God, the devil knows that he doesn't have you for eternity. So he will want to steal, kill, and destroy anything he can of yours right now since he can't have you for eternity. That's what he wants to do. And the farther you're away from God, the more God's going to have to allow that to happen to bring you back to him because you just won't learn any other way. Again, like our kids, sometimes you tell them, you tell them, you tell them, you provide, you provide, you provide. And it's like the only way you're going to figure out you don't know everything is to go ahead and try it. <laughs> and that's what happens with us as his child. So if you've been rescued, now is not the time to give up. I don't care how scary it looks halfway between here and, and the helicopter, man. Don't jump out. Because it's going to be way worse. You're just going to get rescued again. And they're going to be really mad, aren't they? <laughs> hey, what'd you jump out for? You know? And, and again, you don't have to get saved again. But the point is, is that there's nothing good going to come from giving up. But how many of y'all have had some good stuff happen by not giving up in those times? Now you know, dude, on that tilt world, you're like, instead of going, ah, now you're like, you. <laughs> the next time it happens, because it's exciting, you know? Like swimming with Terry and sharks, man. First time I'm 80 feet below and I'm going, under the, I'm going, do, 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 like, okay. If I freak out, I'm going to get the bends. If I stay cool, we'll see what happens. But then the next time when we have bull sharks right there, I'm just like, all right. 
dude, this is cool. And I didn't even have a spear that time. <laughs> First time, at least I had spear. Second time, I was like, all right, well, Terry will die too. We'll be buddies in heaven. No problem. No. But I'm just saying that the more you go through different stuff and God rescues you, the more you see his grace in your life, the more you experience these things, the more awesome it kind of becomes if you see it from God's perspective. So look at this next part real super quick in here. He tells the people who've been rescued, and he's saying not to give up. He says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Hey, think back of those early days when you first learned about Christ. Just close your eyes. I'm not trying to be new age or nothing, but just close your eyes and just kind of think back of when you got saved. What was it like? Anybody want to throw out a word, man? What was it like? What's that? Floating. Floating. All right, cool. Yeah, dude, because you had nothing weighing you down, right? Everything was taken care of. That's a great word, Laura. Anybody got another word for when you first got saved? Relieved. Relieved, yes. <laughs> That's a great word, relieved. What else? Awakened, thrilling, absolutely. Seeing God work, thrilling. Thrilling, yeah. What else did I hear over here? awakened yeah not like in this kind of stupor trying to figure out what's going on but now you're just like all right let's hit it <laughs> all any other words hungry hungry yeah i want more this is so good i want more of what god's got anymore come on love love yeah like even though there was hate and violence and all this junk around you but in your spirit there's love and it's love from him so man that's enough what else acceptance yes it because you knew he knew you better than you knew yourself even if you didn't like yourself he loved you freedom. yeah freedom in that what else anyone else peace, yeah, peace. peace. yeah peace in a not so peaceful place robin Bless. what's that bless. bless yeah the lord's my shepherd i don't want anything else this is all I, I, man you just you, the same blessings maybe you have but now you're seeing them and so he says, man, think back of those early days when you first learned about Christ. But now you want to hear about somebody in a rescue, in a, in a, with a rescue swimmer, in one of those rescue containers, getting on the tilt-a-whirl of life in a hurricane. Listen to what these people he's preaching to went through. And I doubt that any of us have even gone through this. If you're thinking about quitting, listen to what these people were getting ready to quit from. He says, remember how you remain faithful even though it meant terrible suffering? How many of y'all are there? How many of y'all suffer for Christ at some way, some shape? Yeah, there, there's some persecution we experience, and we have. And it's only by suffering for him that we can identify with his suffering. And when we're persecuted, we know that we're doing what he wants us to do in all this. And so there's a, there's a whole bunch about that in Scripture. But he says, sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule. Anybody been exposed to public ridicule standing up for your faith? Yeah. Even in your own family sometimes. It, but public ridicule, that's hard, isn't it? Especially now where we have cry rooms in a college. You know? <laughs> I'm just joking, all right? I hope I didn't make you upset. But I'm just seriously... This world's getting more and more about me and here. And, and don't hurt. It's sensitive. Man, these people for Christ were exposed to public ridicule and were what? Beaten. Anybody here been beaten for Christ? I've been beaten for my big mouth <laughs> when I was little. I've never been beaten for Christ. And I don't know if I would allow myself to be beaten for Christ. I'd like to say yes, but... I, I know he would give me the grace to be beaten for him. And I know when the apostles were beaten from him that they, it turned into joy and it, was, it made them stronger. It gave them endurance. 
you know, to be, to do that. They counted it a joy. Apostle Paul said, yeah, dude, I just got beat for Christ again. It was awesome. <laughs> because he now understands God in a way we can't understand him. But these people were beaten. You, how many of y'all are saying, all right, I think I'm going to go back to a different religion now. <laughs> again, don't raise your hand. Raise your hand in your heart, though, and be honest. Because I had to look at this, and I'm like, hmm, I live in this manby-pamby world, and I think I'm so tough, but... You know, start making fun of me. Start, start letting me get beaten up for this. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. Okay, so, so we've done that. He said, you suffered along with those who were thrown in jail for doing the right thing. You know, and when you, and all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. I'm not there, but when I went to Nigeria back in the early 90s, I met that in those people in Nigeria because the Islamic people owned all of the gas refineries and they would give gas away to anyone who promised to use a portion of it to burn everything the Christians owned, including Christians. And when I got to Nigeria in Lagos and then in Kaduna, up in the middle of Kaduna, just a year prior, all of the people in that village had had all of their stuff burned for being nothing but a Christian but yet they were willing to accept three white boys from Orlando and take us in and have revival services knowing that when we left, they were going to be at risk again. But they were that hungry. They were that much in love. They were that much at peace. You know, they were rest. They didn't care because if God before us, who would be against us? What's the worst they can do is kill us. And then we're in heaven. So he said, man, man, you, you were with people who had everything taken from them and accepted it with joy. You knew there were better, and how could you do all of that? Look at this next part. You knew there were what? Better things. Better things. Where? Where? Read the next part. Waiting for you. Okay, so you knew there were better things than what you had, so that's why you didn't care about your stuff getting taken. And they were waiting for you, and when you get them, what does the last part say? That will, they're going to last, and nobody will burn those. Nobody will take those. I think we're a little desensitized in America. You know where some of the greatest revival is going on right now in the world? Among Islamic people in Islamic countries because of persecution from ISIS and stuff. They are, there are people coming to Christ in droves through that. But I think the more we are in love with this world and in love with what we have and in love with the things of this earth more than with Christ, this is stuff that kind of makes us kind of drift off of it. And that's what these guys, man, these guys were no wusses. They were not just like, yeah, I'm trying to be made fun of. Dude, they went through some stuff. And they wanted to get off. They said, I need a break from all of this. I need a break from this tough life I'm in right now. And he said, so look, if you've been rescued, now is not the time to jump out. The time to jump out is not from the time that you get in that little crate to the time you get in a helicopter. Time to jump, not to jump out is not somewhere in between there. And that's where all of us are. Billy, it's not the time to jump out. Not that you're going to. I'm just telling you, it's not the time to jump out. It's the time. What do we do instead of jump out? Hold on tighter. Find more security in that. Make sure you got a good grip. You know? Make sure something happens. Your leg ain't going to get broke. I'm just saying just do. Check it out and get tighter and tighter. Get more and more comfortable in that. What's rescuing you? Instead of worrying about all the things around you. George Mueller used to say, master the heavenly uplook as opposed to the earthly outlook. He said, man, you knew there were better things waiting for you. So, man, that's why when you first became a believer, you held on, man. 
He said, so what I want you to do right now, he said, is I want you to hold on tight, enjoy the ride, because it's almost over. Is there anybody here that thinks they could enjoy a ride in 40 to 50 foot seas, in a helicopter, by the way, that's actually probably, you think that's being affected by the wind? <laughs> Hurricane force winds, yeah? And 40, 50 foot seas, 100 mile an hour winds, I don't know if a helicopter really do that, but how, how many of y'all think you could maybe enjoy the ride on the way up? Anybody here think the drill? I know, you're adrenaline junkie. Any other adrenaline junkies here that think that, dude, that might actually be cool after I've done it two or three times, you know? Roger, you're probably there too. You could do it. Yeah. You know, after you've been through it, then you can start enjoying Jack, you'd probably enjoy it, wouldn't you? Yeah, after the first time. After you get confidence to know it's all good. And, and Milt, dude, I'm sure in your, your days, yeah. Yeah, dude, I know you'd be all over it right now. Milt would be like, woo! I'm thinking you probably would too, Mike. <laughs> and, and, and Gary, yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom, you're there. I'm not leaving anybody out here, but seriously... Man, he's saying, we find it hard to believe that in that situation that we could enjoy the ride. But that's what he's calling us to do in our walk with Christ right now. Yeah, it's not the most pleasant thing sometimes. You know, once you've been rescued, like I said, the devil doesn't have you for eternity, and he knows that. So he wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life right now. But the tighter you are with Christ, the less he can do that. It's when you separate yourself from Christ that you've made the choice to allow that to happen. So he says, hold on tight, enjoy the ride because it's almost over. What does it mean that it's almost over? Hey, what does that mean, Gary? It, it, you're fixing the what? I'm getting ready to go home. Yeah, either he's coming back or I'm dying and, and you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm only 25. You just turned 25, right? Yeah, how many of y'all remember 25? <laughs> you remember that? And he, you know, it, it's almost over. Whether you're 55 or 25, it's almost over relatively speaking, to eternity. He said, so hold on tight, man. Enjoy the ride. I get to determine how long you're here. Check this out and we'll be done. These next few verses. He said, don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. That's what God gives us. Have, have you ever had confident trust in him? Have you ever walked through something and you just knew he had it? How about when your husband passed away and you were sitting, you guys, you were right there on that front row and God had confident trust that everything's going to work out. It doesn't mean everything's going to be great, but we know things work out. They're going to work out. He's got it under control. Everything. So don't throw away this confident trust. Don't throw away something you're going to need. And the trust is in the Lord, not in your own resources, not in your own, your own gumption, your own stamina. I like when uh, Jack's like, good Lord gave me a turkey. <laughs> it wasn't in your shooting, right? You had a blindfold on. You are just going to give God all the glory, right? No, just, but it, it, again, it, it's in the Lord. The trust is in the Lord. And he said, remember the great reward it's going to bring you. You can't even imagine. We can't even imagine the reward that's going to be on the other side for us but I'll guarantee it's going to be worth it. How do I know that? Because God said so. He said, patient endurance. Everybody say patient endurance. Patient endurance. Woo, how many of y'all know somebody that could use patient endurance? I noticed I didn't say you. How many of y'all are married to somebody that can use patient No, I'm just... <laughs> patient, how many of y'all have parents that could use patient endurance? No, I'm just saying, you know, patient endurance, is that not a valuable thing? He said, patient endurance is what you need now. And you're like going to God, duh. <laughs> he said, you need patient endurance so that you will continue to do God's will. 
You don't get that by jumping out. You don't get that by letting go. You get that by holding on, and all of a sudden, you realize you have patient endurance. It's like, all right, God gave me the ability to do this. He said, then you will receive what? What's the last words here? You'll receive, then you'll receive what? Yeah, you know what our, promise is? Our, our problem is right now is we want it now, don't we? Can't, if you need patient endurance, are you going to have it all now? <laughs> I, I want all that has been promised to me, but I want it now. And he said, no, you need patient endurance. You wait for it. It's going to be worth it. Don't sell yourself short settling for anything less than God's best for your life. He said, man, you have that patient endurance that I'm going to give you. It's a fruit of the Spirit. He said, you'll receive all that God has promised. For in, in, and what's this? For in just a what? A little while. Man. Hey, Tom, you just turned 66 last Sunday, right? A little while. Susie? No, I'm just not. I'm, <laughs> how old's Milton? <laughs> Aren't you glad I didn't ask Milton how old you were? No, I'm just like, but... But seriously, we can talk about our lives, and how many of y'all feel your life has been just a little while? Or how many of y'all are feeling the effects of, of being here for a little while? But a little while is, relatively speaking, a com compare, it's compare, being compared to eternity. He said, just a little while. And, and look at this, the who? Who is that? You notice in capitals, right? So who's the coming one? Yes, that's one of his names. So what can we expect him to do? Come, he's going to come. And it's something we don't encourage each other with, something we don't think about. And he could come at any point in time. There's no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled right now for him to come. And we need to view that because he said, man, in just a little while, this is what you look forward to. The coming one will come and not delay when it's time for him to come. He's going to come quickly, meaning that it's going to happen like that. But he is coming for us. And when he comes for us, how long are we going to be with him? Yeah. We're already with him, but we're going to be in a perfect place with him forever. So he said, man, right now is not the time to jump off. All you're going to do by not following Christ right now is cause a big mess in your life, bigger than what you already have. He said, just hold on. That's the best way to live this life right now. But he said, soon, man. You're having a hard time, hold. Just, just realize you're in that helicopter. The helicopter's pulling you up, and you see there's only 10 more feet, and your hands are slipping. You can hold on for 10 more feet. When that guy reaches out to grab you, man, you've got a death grip on him. Man, and it's like, don't let go. You're almost there. And then he quotes Habakkuk uh, 2.4, I believe is what it is. Is that right, Seth, 2.4? which is also quoted in Romans and in Galatians and here in different ways. But he says, the just or righteous will live by faith. We live by faith, believing that he's got it all under control and we just simply follow him. When he says, I'm your rescue swimmer, take care. Oh, I'm your rescue swimmer, jump in, we jump in. He says, I've got your life mapped out, follow me. We follow him and we believe, we live by faith knowing that it isn't about here. There is some here, but eternity is, is there. He goes on, he says, my righteous ones will live by faith, but I take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. How much pleasure does he take in people who turn away? None. 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 But we are not like those. <laughs> here it is, this is good. This is for all of us now. Unless the Holy Spirit has brought conviction to you that you need to be rescued. 
Or you need to turn, do something. But look what he says. He said, but we are not like those. I told you this was a heavy passage, man. He said, but we are not like those who turn away from God to their own what? Is that whenever we turn away from God, is that what we think we're turning to? Billy, you ever turn away from God? A couple times? How about you, Tom? You ever turn away from God a couple times? Did you know that when you were turning, were you like, oh, dude, I can't wait to be destroyed? <laughs> you know, dude, I'm, I'm fixing to go head first into destruction. No, dude, we don't think that's what's down there. But that's where it ends up. He said, man, we're not like those who turn away to, from God to their own destruction. We are the what? Faithful ones. What does it mean to be faithful? It means to be full of in who? In God. Again, we have this messed up thing. Faithful, if I were to ask you, who's the most faithful person in this church? And if you were here and scoping things out, you would probably say, EJ's the most faithful one. Because EJ comes at 6.30 in the morning, the night before. No, in the morning. He, he opens up. He sets everything up. He's the first one here, the last one to leave. And, but that doesn't make him the most faithful person here. The most faithful person here is the one who's most full of faith. And then it translates into actions. So he truly might be if it's, he's doing this because he's full of faith. And I do know that EJ's doing this because he loves Jesus. <laughs> you do love Jesus, right, EJ? Yes, sir. Okay. But you see how we've messed up what faithful is? We think faithful is a bunch of actions. Coming to church every Sunday. Coming to every Bible study. Doing this. Dotting our I's. Crossing our T's. Jots and tittles for you. No Hebrew. But what it's about is just being faith, full of faith in Christ. And he says, do this and you do it. Don't do this and you don't do it. You just walk with him. That's faithful. Full of faith. He said, we're the faithful ones whose souls will be what? Will be saved. So I want you all to turn around and look at that clock right now. <laughs> I don't care what your watch says. I want you to look at that clock right there, man. Dude, that is the closest I have been to 11 o'clock in decades. No, <laughs> Not that I'm shooting for that, but I do understand. When I sit there, I understand my butt falls asleep, dude. I understand, man. It's like, hard, you know, and I understand certain people get stuff at different times. I want to be as faithful to Christ as I can. I want more of what he has to say to come out than what I have to say. And so I, I, I do respect your time and all that, but I'm never going to finish until God says I'm done, <laughs> until God tells me I'm done. But I do want you to know that is something I have people praying for me <laughs> to do. And, and I know that some of you haven't even told me you're praying for me to do it. <laughs> I just know. I know some of you are praying for the rapture while I'm preaching. <laughs> like, Jesus, please come. <laughs> and, but in this, man, look at this. He says our home yeah, read this last one with me and we're done. I promise there's nothing after this. Except That's not one of those preacher tricks. And in conclusion, you know, we have 20 more minutes. It, our home is in heaven. And we will live there forever. Dude. So here's the thing for you guys, man. Listen. If he's given you the desire and ability to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him, just do it. You don't know it's ever coming again. You don't know when it's leaving. Let him rescue you. There's no other rescue that's coming. He's the rescue. And he's coming in love. He's coming with mercy. He's coming gentle. And if you refuse that rescue, not only will there not be any more rescue coming, but you're going to 
now face the wrath from refusing that rescue. And you'll face it for eternity. Whatever you're holding on to is not worth it. Don't refuse the rescue. But if he has rescued you, and life's kind of spinning around, man. Maybe it's just, maybe, have you ever been stuck on a Ferris wheel? <laughs> Seriously, dude, you're up there and all of a sudden it's not moving. You're just like, okay, I, this was cool for a little bit, but maybe you feel like your life is stuck on a Ferris wheel. You don't know where it's going. It's just stuck. And you're going, well, I'm going to jump off and make something happen. Well, something will happen. <laughs> just wait. Be patient. Stick with them right now. We're in between our salvation and heaven. And, and right now is the roughest time. I guarantee it it's the roughest time in all of that. Continue to live for him, man. Now is not the time to jump out or quit. Just hold on and enjoy the ride. Because our home's in heaven and we will live with him forever there. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you so much for giving us this hard passage of scripture. And Father, thank you for giving me love to be able to preach this in. And I pray that everyone received it in your love. And I pray each person has been touched by your Holy Spirit today to take something out of this that they know you have spoken into your, their heart. Because you said your scripture, your word is alive. It can be relevant to any generation and any person. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword that can come and penetrate the crevices of our heart that need to be penetrated for our own good. So, Father, I pray that you would take this word and make it relevant to each of us and show us the application and let us know that you have supplied the grace for us to apply it in the way you want it applied. And we will give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' name.